That's really the biggest fear of speaking, if you didn't know, is having, having the microphone on when you're singing. So I didn't. I just got it turned back on here, so we're good. Uh, dismiss the kids. It looks like they're all gone. So here we are again. I think I told you before, but you would have talked to me probably a year ago or less. I would have told you in no uncertain terms that there would be absolutely no way ever that I would be speaking on Sunday morning. As it turns out, I guess I kind of do like it. Um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity just to share what God's teaching, teaching me, and, and I, I have enjoyed it, and, and I appreciate Ben giving me the opportunity to do that again while he's on vacation. Please pray for him and his family. Um, they're enjoying some much-needed relaxation. And um, we'll be back with you uh, here in a couple weeks. Uh, before we start this morning, let's just take a word. I just want to pray over the message for a minute. God, you know that you and I have talked over the next few minutes many, many times over the past weeks. And I just pray, Lord, that my words and my speech would be very clear and very understandable so that your message from your word would be very clear and understandable. Father, I trust you for that this morning. Amen. We're going to start in Matthew 5. If you have your Bible, you want to turn there. We're going to be jumping around a little bit, as usual, in God's Word. But I'm starting in Matthew 5 because that's, for whatever reason, over the past maybe six months, God just has, through different things, has just been bringing me back to Matthew 5. And generally when that's the case for me, I don't know about you, but generally when God does that, He's trying to teach you something. And... um, in this case, maybe I decided maybe he's trying to teach me something I can share with you this morning. So that's where we're going to start in Matthew 5, starting with verse 14. And that's what I've titled this morning's message. You are the light of the world, like a city on a mountain, glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand. Let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. I hope you saw that message come through the last song. And I do hope when we're singing our praise and worship songs, I know Seth pours a lot of time into to putting a song um, or a group of songs together that bring us into worship, bring us into the message. Uh, he must have seen my title today because it seemed like every song that we sang was really talking about being us being a light uh, to the world. Um, But there's certainly some great messages in the song we sang this morning about God's amazing grace uh, in Christ alone. Um, It seems like every song just has a a great message before we even get to to our time of uh, the sermon. So this morning, it's important as we look into Matthew 5 that we understand that you, not really the church, but you, all of you sitting here, have been filled with the light, and that you're the light of the world, and you've been called out of darkness. And I want to say this to you before I get started here too deep into this, that today's message is really directed at Christians. Uh, I suspect not everyone here has a, a relationship with Jesus. But this morning, when you hear, hear me refer to the church or the body of Christ, 
I'm referring to those who have been reconciled to God. You know, to those who have been redeemed, born again, those who call themselves followers or disciples of Jesus, those who have surrendered their life to Jesus. In the world, we use the term Christians. Okay? So this message is to Christians. If you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus, you're not a Christian, that's fantastic. By the time we get done today, you're going to have a clear understanding of what Christians are supposed to be and what God has called Christians to be in this world. So that's kind of where we're headed. So it's also important to note, as I share this morning, and what I share is directed at all Christians. As I'm reading through things and and studying for this week, I can't find anywhere in the Bible where there's a level of Christianity, you know, a level of people that, um, you know, are gifted or ungifted Christians, uh, Holy Spirit-filled Christians or not Holy Spirit-filled Christians. In the Bible, it seems to me like God's people are God's people. Born-again believers are born-again believers. So this message isn't for the leaders of the church. It isn't for the Sunday school teachers. It's for everyone that calls himself a follower of Jesus. So what does it mean to be a light in a dark world? Where do we go with that? Well, I'd like to start kind of reviewing. If you want to turn to Acts, that's where we've been talking. I'm not continuing necessarily in the book of Acts, but I have just been uh, really, really enjoying learning about the early church. Ben's been in a series, Pastor Ben has been in a series in Acts for several weeks here. Um, we're going to continue that on uh, even next week as Scott talks. Um, I just wanted to review chapter 4. And the reason is I think it's just fascinating. When I look back at the early church and try to kind of compare that to where we've come in 2,000 years. To me, that's fascinating. So that's kind of where I started this week is, is looking at that. And as you start in chapter uh, 4, verse 1, of Acts, it says, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, the leading priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees came over to them. They were disturbed that Peter and John were claiming on the authority of Jesus that there was a resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them, and since it was already evening, jailed them until evening. And I remember Ben talking about these first few verses saying, that's where we are today, just like 2,000 years ago. The church will always have distractions. It will always have people that are naysayers. It will always have people that say, that's not the right message. That's nothing new to us. And that's, that's, that's encouraging to me to know that that's always been the case. It's not new that people think the church is, is uh, just not relevant to our culture. Then in verse 4 it says, But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So that the number of believers totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. It's another pretty encouraging thing, isn't it? Back then and today, even though there was people strongly against God's message, it's still fruitful. People still came to know Jesus. And you drop down to verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, no different than today. If you're a Christian person, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible makes that clear over and over and over again. That we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 10, it says, Let me clearly state to you, to all the people of Israel, that he was healed in the name and the power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth. 
This is where we should be today, church, just like they were then, claiming the power of Jesus, giving Jesus the glory for whatever happens within the church. And then verse 11, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. There's no, one other, there's no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. So the disciples make it clear that Jesus was the cornerstone of the church. That's true then. It's true today. Same message. Then in verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. That was a great message Ben gave on that. Christina talked about it again this morning. If we are Christians and we're the light of the world, that word has got to be part of us. We have to be bold. And then the second part of verse 13 says, For they could see that they were ordinary men who had no special training, they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Now, the first part of that really should speak to us, and that's maybe one of the important things about today is to understand And what I was trying to get at when I said all Christians. There's not a person in here that wouldn't be considered, you know, an ordinary person, you know, no special training. We're Christians. We've received Jesus as our Savior. That's, that's our call to to um, to spread that message. It tells me, too, that it's not just the pastor's job. Ben's talked about that several times in the last weeks. The church is all of us. It's not just the pastor. And it's ordinary people with no special training. And I love the last part of verse 13 where it says, they also recognize them as men who had been with Jesus. Now, I don't know for sure if that just means that, okay, they had seen these disciples with Jesus, so they recognized that. I'm going to tend to interpret that a little differently. I'm going to say that that means by how they acted, what they did, how they cared for people, people recognized these people know Jesus. And I thought as I read through this and read through this and we, I brought it up at Contenders on Friday morning that that's what I want to be. I want people to say, I recognize Lenny as somebody that knows Jesus by the way I treat people, the way I act. Now, you all know that that's not always the case. And because of our, who, who we are, sometimes we aren't um, that way. But that's what, I, that's what my goal is, is to be someone who's recognized, just like the early church. Recognize these men, you. Be recognized as people that know Jesus. We need to go on down to verse 20 in Acts 4. We cannot stop telling about the wonderful things that we've seen and heard. What a great thing to say to the church. You can't stop telling. You feel that way? Man, what I understand so clearly what God's done in my life, so clearly how he's changed me, so clearly how he's brought me out of darkness into light, I can't stop telling people about that. And then verse 24, then all the believers were united as they lifted their voices in prayer. Two things there, the, the whole idea of unity as a church. Folks, we live in a, we live in a culture that's not, it's not churched. You, you know that. We live in a culture of darkness. And when the people outside the church look at the church, the one thing they should see that tracks them to Jesus is unity. Unity around Jesus. That is so strange to the world that the people inside this building or any other church in town, 
people should drive by and say, how do those people get along? The answer is they get along because of Jesus, because we're united in that, in, in Jesus. And that should somehow be strangely attractive to the world. I, I believe it can be. So unity is a, a huge thing. The prayer, they're united in, uh, in, they're united and lifted uh, their voices in prayer. And prayer is one of those things that we talk more about than we do, uh, but it, it's a critical part. And we'll talk more about that as we go along here too. It's just a critical part of our Christian life. Uh, and then verse 32. Uh, and all the believers were of one heart and mind, and they felt, uh, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. They shared everything they had. So as I read through that, isn't that just a beautiful picture of the church that, that uh, Luke lays out for us? That's a church I want to belong to. I don't know about you. But to me, that's just a, just a great, beautiful picture of what the church uh, was when it started. Now, we're going to find out uh, next week when we get into chapter 5, sin creeps into the early church just like it creeps into this church. That's who we are. We're sinful people. So sin started creeping in. And Scott's going to move into that next week in chapter 5 uh, and how that affected the church. But right now, we want to focus on, on, on what God's called us, this church that he's called us to be. And as I'm reading through this, one of the things that, that, that jumped out at me after reading through it several times was that even though this is a beautiful picture of the church, I started realizing that God hasn't called the church to do anything. The church isn't called to to uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the church isn't called to spread the message. You are. We are God's church. And so my whole emphasis to start with was kind of on the mission of the church. There is no mission of the church. You have a mission. I have a mission. The church doesn't necessarily have a mission. Okay? We are the church. So I kind of had to reemphasize things. Says, no, let's, let's talk about what my mission is. What's my mission as a believer in Jesus, as a follower of Jesus? According to the scriptures, as I can read them, each one of you each and, and myself, we have a miraculous gift. And it's all different. We all have different gifts. We have the same mission, but we have different gifts that God's given us. And the challenge today is that, that I could challenge you or, or challenge you to read scripture and, and, and understand that that gift is not to be held on to. That gift is to be used for you to be light in the world. I want to share something with you that I just read. This is just one of my favorite people to listen to in the world. And I know some people like him, some don't. Francis Chan. I just really like the things he's written and, and, and his, his values. And uh, But anyway, Francis Chan, just a week or two ago, was speaking to uh, the headquarters of Facebook. So I'm guessing a lot of people. And if you're very familiar with Francis Chan, he started this growing church out in California, and it was exploding, like many of the mega churches that are led by you know these really great speakers. And I want to just read what he said about uh, the church, because it kind of hit home with what I was trying to uh, say about us being the church. Not, not that, that, that's what's important. So this is best-selling author Francis Chan recently exposed his heart to Facebook employees, dealing with uh, dealing with why he left the helm of his thriving megachurch in California seven years ago. Cornerstone Church in Simi Valley, California, was drawing around 5,000 people and growing in 2010. But Chan felt the megachurch he founded 
was not as God intended it to be. So I interpret that as it wasn't what Acts 4 is telling us. So he said it wasn't what God intended it to be. Um, let's see. I got frustrated at a point, just biblically, Chan said during a talk at the Facebook headquarters in California last Thursday. I'm thinking, wait a second. According to the Bible, every single one of these 5,000 people has a supernatural gift that's meant to be used for the body. And I'm like, 5,000 people show up every week to hear my gift, to see my gift. That's a lot of waste. Then I started thinking about how much does it cost to run this thing? Millions of dollars. So I'm wasting the human resources of these people that according to Scripture have a miraculous gift that they could contribute to the body, but they're just sitting there quietly. They just sit there and listen to me. That kind of struck me. How often do I just sit and listen? Tell Pastor Ben, boy, Pastor Ben, great sermon. Boy, you really nailed it today. I walk out the door, don't think about it again until the next week. Boy, Pastor Ben, great sermon. Really nailed it today. Walk out the door. That's what I want to challenge us for today. We, we just can't be that. There has to be more to being a follower of Jesus. There just has to be more than just coming to church on Sunday morning. So when we start, what, what is that more then? What is our mission? You know, that question obviously come, comes to us. Well, I'd quickly direct you to the Bible. And um, takes me back to verse 13 in Acts 4. Being a Christian is being somebody who's recognized that, they're with, that they've been with Jesus. And so we need, to, we need to be studying God's Word, spending time with God, and trying to understand what He's called us as individuals to. We know what the mission is. Our mission is to be light in a dark world. Okay, But you specifically, what's God calling you to? I can't help you with that. That's going to be your job. That's going to be take, take your sweat, your study, your searching God's Word, your spending time with God and praying. That's going to be for each one of you. But I have you start in 2 Corinthians. If you go to 2 Corinthians, verse 5, and I started there because this is where God started with me. Once I understood what it meant to follow Jesus, this is the first place in a sermon that God took me and said, this is what it means to represent, to follow Jesus. And if we read verses 18 through 20, it says, all the newness of life is from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Did he give it to the church? No, he gave it to us, the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message that he has given us to tell others. Now, it seems to me like if it was so important that the church did, he would have said there the message he's given the church. But it's given the message to us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors, and God is using us to speak to you. We urge you, as though Christ himself were there pleading with you, be reconciled to God. The message is for us to share. Man, I hope you can get that. Walk out with nothing else today. Please get that. It's not the church's job to share the message. It's your job. It's my job as believers. 
Someone sent me this week, uh, one of the missionaries that we're connected with, sent me a clip on Billy Graham. And I love it. This is a little clip of something Billy Graham had said a long time ago. Maybe you've heard it. He said, Jesus only has two verbs. You heard that? You know what those two verbs would be? One's come. Come unto me. And the other's go. Go into the world. And represent me. That's, that's, that's uh, Christianity for dummies there. You know, if you buy the little book, Christianity for Dummies, that's all you have to put in it. Come unto me, go into the world. That's what we're, that's what we're called to do. I'd send you one other place in Scripture. I'd send you to 1 Peter. Now keep in mind, this is an exhaustive list. I'm giving you a couple places to start just because these are things that have really been helpful to me over the years. But the Bible is full, full of things that will help you find your mission and your purpose. So 1 Peter 2.9. This I have to read once in a while. It reminds me of the Jeremy Camp song. Remind me who I am. Because we forget, don't we? We forget who we are in Christ. But verse 9 in 1 Peter 2 says, But you are not like that. For you, there's the word you again, you are a chosen people. You are a kingdom of priests, God's holy nation, his very own possession. This is so you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into this wonderful light. Man, isn't that great? You are a kingdom of priests, God's holy nation, his very own possession. I don't know about you, that makes me feel pretty confident in who I am in Jesus. That gives me some boldness. But again, he uses the term you. Not the church is. Not the church can do this. But you can show others the goodness of God. You are a kingdom of priests. You are called out of the darkness into the light. This brings us back to Matthew. Back to Matthew 5. Go back and read that again. Starts out with that word again. You, you are the light of the world, like a city on a mountain, blowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. That last verse, sometimes we get a little anxious about that because it seems awfully um, prideful that we're putting our good deeds out there to shine out for all to see. But the purpose is in the last part of that verse, so that everyone will praise our Heavenly Father. We are representatives, we're ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus, that is your job, that's your mission. And it's not the church's, it's yours. Church, I'd encourage you today, reading our Bible, talking with God this morning when we got together for prayer. That's what we talked about. We're a lot better about talking about those things than we are about doing it. I didn't know that as I was a young Christian. I thought that every Christian in the world spent lots of time reading their Bible, lots of time with God. I've since learned that we spend more time talking about it than we do actually doing it. 
I'd encourage you, you have to be in your Bible. If you're going to be a growing Christian, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you have to be reading your Bible regularly. You have to be talking with God. That's the only way you're going to really discover and be constantly reminded that God has a mission for you every day. And if you invest your, in your relationship with Jesus, I believe you'll discover that mission and what it looks like. And I think it'll look a lot like Calvary's mission. How many people can tell me what Calvary's mission statement is? You people. You people know it. That's great. I'd encourage you to look at that, too. We, we, we're trying to always talk about when you have new members, explain what that means, because it's not the church's mission. It's our mission. It's to exalt the name of Jesus, edify the body, and to build his kingdom. That's, that's what we're to do. Not Calvary. You. To exalt the name of Jesus, edify his body, build his kingdom. If you take nothing away from today, please take this away. That Jesus did not call churches to follow him. He did not call the church to follow him. He called people to follow him. So that word you, you are God's miracle, not the church. You are his missionary. You are his ambassador. You are his chosen people. You have an eternal purpose. You have the Holy Spirit. And you are the light of the world. My prayer for you is that you would shine brightly. That you, not the church, would shine brightly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have called me to so much more than just going to church for an hour on Sunday. Father, I pray that each of us would grow in our understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, that you would challenge us through your word and through prayer that you've called us to so much more. And Father, would you constantly be reminding us that we are your ambassadors. We are the ones that are called to live for you, to shine a bright light for you in our community, in our homes, with our families, with our co-workers, with our teammates, with our fellow students, wherever you've put us. Father, I pray that you'd help us to contend for our faith, to be recognized as people that have spent time with Jesus. Father, we're going to trust you for that. Thank you, Lord, for loving us that much, to allowing us to participate in the work that you're doing in this world. In Jesus' name.